Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to Last Turn Madness. It's been a while, but tonight I have me, I have Beck. Hello. I have Chrissy. Hey. And we have Greg, who's returned. So um, we've got a load of topics to cover. Um, we're going to cover them tonight, and they're probably going to be released over a bit of time. But the first topic we're going to talk about, which was the most recent game, was Den of Wolves, which we've covered before, but we obviously it's evolving. It's been a really popular game. It's run very successfully, I think, in Sweden. That's correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where they had some really awesome lighting, which is something we should talk about. Indeed. Um, and visuals and everything else. And I think it's run... Is it, been, is it run, any, run anywhere else? Uh, I don't think internationally yet, but obviously it's been run, run around this country. This is about the eighth or run or something wow. like that, sixth or seventh. It's just so. a matter of time, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a theme. It's got, it's got, it's got great legs. But anyway, how did it go? Uh, really well, yeah. Um, I would say the most successful game we've run through Horizon to date um you know uh, always there's a couple of players enjoy it more than others but i think pretty much every single player had an amazing day uh, and the feedback you know backs up it was yeah incredibly successful so that's awesome how many players was it uh it is about 40 players uh, including control um so it's not a huge game but um you know i think that helps keeps everyone busy uh and focus on the day really yeah yeah and um what what's changed since you both both of you guys have both done it before what had changed? What's, how's it evolving? So Alex and I played the first run and no one really knew that wolves were a thing actually. So when I was pulled aside and told I was a wolf, it was quite easy for me to get quite far because no one was really paranoid about that. Whereas I know now everyone knows there's a code word, everyone knows there's wolves. Um, so I presume it's okay to say this, but John has brought in... A spy hunter, a religious cult, as well as the wolves, to make it um, a few more suspicious individuals. Just to, uh, just for my benefit, what are, what are the wolves? What what's the context of this? Uh, I know it's kind of like a Battlestar Galactica yes. type game. Are the wolves like the Cylons, basically? Yeah. So right. the wolves are Cylons. Um, I think in John's canon, you're a human, and the wolf has hijacked your brain and made you an ally of theirs mm. rather than you are a toaster robot from the beginning so that's why you get unlocked at various points through the game so when i played i was unlocked very early on but some people got unlocked an hour or two hours into the game and do we know anything about the swedish when it was swedish game when it ran because the pictures looked crazy good um, yeah i think i had spoken to johan uh, the guy who runs the swedish games on it several times and yeah it went really well exact same kind of feedback uh you know the most successful games they've run uh, every player had a good day there's something about the game we were talking about this uh, after the game on saturday how on paper you look at it and it seems it's relatively simple mechanics uh it's very simple backstory. There's not complicated personal briefs, just simple team briefs. Uh, the roles don't seem to have a huge amount of actual mechanical things to do. All the sorts of things that, you know, people maybe say, you know, some mega games need to change. Uh, I'd say they're almost all in Den of Wolves, yet somehow it comes together and just works every single time you run it. I don't think it's ever run poorly. So all those things that we often talk about off talk about are in this game. Absolutely, yeah. I would say so. Uh, it's very mechanically light. 
Uh, there's no personal briefs. It's a lot of it's left to play agency to to do their own thing, you know, to fill their day. But they somehow always do. And why are they? Is it because they associate with the theme, or is it because what what is it? What's the special source with this game? I think the paranoia adds a lot to it because the theme helps. But I know a lot of people like Becky and Ollie have not watched Battlestar but still got into it. Um, so I think it is knowing that. You're all individual fleets who are trying to work together, so you might backstab each other. So I think it gives it a lot of colour and richness to have that backstabbing and paranoia to it. I think for me as well, I totally agree with that. I think the other bit is where every single ship, so the teams are each as a ship, uh, and it is essential that they, they communicate and trade with the other ships to get the resources they need. So you might have way too much water, but not enough food, or you don't get any fuel, or whatever it might be. Each ship has some stuff. Uh, and needs other things so that you're forced to communicate and because of the paranoia you're talking about that then forces the paranoia and the, the you know you can't just sit in your team and do your own thing you have to work with other people and I think that causes you know, ex- uh, makes the, the paranoia increase it kind of adds extra chaos and, and, and sort of you know nonsense you get in a, in a mega game that's really interesting because <clears throat> it kind of suggests that if you can get this right this you know having having to trade but against a backdrop of paranoia i think one of my concerns oh, i haven't played the game but one of my concerns about that kind of traitor mechanic is i'm not convinced that it works oh not convinced it works as well as it could do over a course of a whole day because you know it's effectively um what's the what's the game where you it's the original spy game where resistance a werewolf yeah, yeah. Where, you know, that's fun for like 20 minutes. And you can play like four games back to back for like an hour and a half, two hours. But I don't know if I could do it over a whole day. I think, so I mean... Obviously people are. Yeah, I mean, the most direct ancestor of this game is the Battlestar Galactica ball game, which also has the traitor mechanic. And, you know, that's a game that lasts three, four hours. And, you you know, you maintain being a traitor for that period. Um, I kind of get what you mean. I think certainly on... On Saturday's run, and I'm sure others, the traders kind of had two options. You kind of either go big relatively early, but risk getting caught halfway through the day, and then potentially not be able to do that much other than maybe getting recast if you're killed, or you do a very slow build, so you know you only do very subtle things, um, which may be quite can be limiting. But I actually I think that works. We have we have people who did both. This this you know one guy kind of got caught quite quite early, whilst one of the other wolves, Becky, she lasted to the very end and got elected president. You know she she essentially won you know the political game and she was a traitor. You know and that was how she she chose to do that traitorous activity was for the long term win sort of. And what a lot of the other people are doing if it's mechanically light and if you're not trading stuff, what what are you doing? So when I played. I was on the council and the council game is a big part of it so that takes away a lot of the players because we're all arguing over laws that mainly get ignored by the other players actually but it still takes up a lot of time to argue over it. And that's been an issue that's come up in this group before yeah. is people talking about um, you can have a council game separated from the main game like like okay the classic example being the UN game at Watch the Skies yeah. where they're making they're making calls and decisions and but they're they quickly find themselves removed from the main game and are relevant to the main game. I mean, how does um, Den of Wolves uh, uh, address that? I think that was... I, I thought that was quite a big problem in the one I played, but the one this weekend, 
Edward and Becky are both quite strong personalities, so I don't think that was as much of an issue. Yeah, I'd say it's down to the players, I Mm. think. So the run Saturday, uh, well, we definitely had some new players. There was a lot of very experienced players who played in London around the country all the time. Uh, And a few of those, in fact, most of the council were were mostly experienced players, just a couple of new ones. Um, And so I think they made sure the things they were debating were things that weren't necessarily time critical but would affect the game. So very early on they agreed that there'd be elections on certain terms later on in the game uh, and then made sure with control that they, they would be enacted. They made various rules around sovereignty, sovereignty and security rules which all had very clear you know, impacts on the game that weren't an instant like you get a bonus for one turn but would affect the rest of the game. So I think by being experienced in those kind of roles they knew how to, to get the most out of them and make it more relevant to the game. Right. So I don't know if that's something you can do as a designer, I, I, perhaps, but I think you know, something. I, think, I mean, can the fleet, the whole fleet get destroyed? I mean, I guess uh, it'd be quite hard to do. Uh, the attacks are control mandated, so if you feel the players are losing on their own, you just put less attacks in. And what do players do if they've been caught on their, you know, their, their, their traitors? What, what do they do the rest of the day? Well, when I was caught as a traitor, that was... I was put in the brig and that was actually quite boring. So Control offered me the opportunity to basically commit suicide so that I could be recast. So that is something that could potentially be a problem. If you're just put in the brig, that's a really boring game. Yeah. It's almost better just to be killed. Yeah. No, no I, th- I think that's sort of, that was generally how we expected we were going to run it. Yeah, that's the sort of the default way. What actually happened, the two people that were captured, they... Um, they decided they weren't going to execute them, that they were going to serve hard labour. And from a control point of view, we said that would be the same as dying because he wants to just sit in the prison ship doing nothing for the rest of the game. Uh, but actually, they chose to stay in their roles uh, and then caused riots on the prison ship. One of them got transferred to the science ship and <laughs> got involved in all sorts of nonsense on there to get cured of his wolfism and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. So whilst it was the end of their sort of core game... Um, in some ways, for those few turns they were prisoners, they actually kept a game going. So, but but I think generally speaking, as, as Chrissy said, you probably once you get to a point where you can't affect the game, you you, know, you die and you get recast as, as someone else back in the game. That's interesting. I think it's a game which lends itself well to an immersive element. Oh yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think with you, you've got you know what was what is the Swedish LARP, the one they do on the warship. Have you seen that video? Where they played Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's actually worth watching, yeah. just for, you know, how how it's done. It's quite claustrophobic. It's you know, it's obviously different from a mega game, but it you could definitely take some of those you know lighting, sound, costumes, put them in a mega game. Some you know injected uh, control, you know, playing certain roles uh, to ramp up elements of immersiveness yeah. yeah it's something I've often talked to Johan about who, who runs the Swedish you know, they seem to have lots of good well equipped venues in Sweden you know the right. game venue we used on Saturday it took us 45 minutes before the game to get a single laptop working to show the presentation that had the turn order on it you know uh, the music I had set up for it the, the speakers were so quiet you barely heard it through the whole day you know so I mean I don't, I don't know if it's an excuse or not but I'd say London is not overly well equipped with affordable decent venues that have got the technology you know I'm sure you could get a proper you know, theatre venue if it costs you so much the games yeah. wouldn't be well maybe well. with Brexit Britain you know yeah, if the economy crashes <laughs> yeah that's one yeah, yeah. there'll just be you know no one will have any money out we won't have any food but you know we can we've we'll got some good, some good, good mega good, games good venues, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, 20 uh, 2020 games in uh, Buckingham Palace or somewhere <laughs> very good 
Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the second part of this podcast, uh, where I've got John Meisen from Southwest Mega Games. Hello, John. Hi, Ben. Uh, well, thanks for joining us today. Um, we're going to be talking to John about his uh, game Den of Wolves, obviously as part of this episode, and looking forward to what he's going to be doing next. Um, as part of that, uh, you know, John and I have just been talking about, you know, the success of Den of Wolves, and so we want to look. We're going to look at that. Um, you know, it's been run a number of times, and uh, how those have gone. Um, some of the what the design intent of the game was, and uh, some of the changes he's made over time, and why he thinks people enjoy it. So, John, um, how many times has it been run now? Um, <clears throat> so it would have been one, two, three, four. I'm going to say I'm going to say four, five, or six. Not 100 percent sure. <laughs> why four, five, or six? Probably five. Think. five times yeah and and that's and that is um it's l- at least one time overseas right oh i wasn't including that so yeah it's probably six times then yeah um i believe uh johan already ran it in i want to say sweden <laughs> sorry i have a terrible memory um but yeah, i think johan ran it in sweden and uh, the other four or five times uh, i've run it in various places throughout uh, south of england and um how many more times do you expect? I mean, how many how many more other people are interested in now running this? Um, so I think I've sold the pack now to about six, seven people. Right. Um, I think a couple of people in Canada, a couple of people in America, uh, Dylan in New Zealand. Um, someone's going to be running it in Switzerland. Uh, that's all I can remember for now, but there might be one or two others. I saw the flyers for the Swiss game on uh, Twitter and they look really, really good. Yeah, yeah, they look really cool. It did make me think we need to up our up up yeah. our game a little bit. Yeah, they actually. Um, I know the person who's well, one of the people who's involved in running the Switzerland run because she um, she did a lot of the stuff in Reading. She's originally lived there, um, and yeah, she did actually say that if the funds stretch far enough, they might fly me out there to run it in Switzerland and give me like a free weekend uh, staying with them in Switzerland. But I don't think the funds are actually stretching that far, unfortunately. Right. Um, oh, otherwise, wow. that could have been. Um, a fun little kind of running my game in a foreign country experience. Yeah, right. It's 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 going to be interesting. I thought yeah. um, I thought the pictures from Johan's game looked really really good. Oh yeah, they had some crazy production quality. I mean, this is one of those things where I think you know when Jim released the very original Watch the Skies, and you know Jim had done all this work to make the Watch the Skies what it was. And then when people took that, they then, you know, because all that work had already been done, they could put their own work into, like, doing whatever they wanted to it to, you know, improve um, or change whatever. The same thing, Den of Wolves, uh, my game, because of my particular interests and, let's face it, skill set, visually, it's not very impressive at all. It's quite <laughs> minimalist in its design. Um, and so Johan's team, they completely revamped all the art and visuals and they made it look really beautiful. And in addition, the venue had, I think they had like smoke at one point, but they had like all these, you know, bright lights and massive screens. They made the whole thing look really kind of uh, spectacular. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think it's a game which lends itself to being quite immersive very mm. easily because of the way that you know the, mm. the way that everyone is on a on a spacecraft and yeah. uh, in a confined space so it, you know you, you don't have to represent you know everything from deserts to rolling exactly. to rolling yeah. fields it's, it's to... like a few steps removed from um, starship bridge simulator or something where you can actually create a sort of immersive environment for it if that's what you're going for yeah 
Have you, have you, I mean, that immediately makes me think, oh, that's a whole other opportunity. Have you thought about going down that road? Um, I haven't, um, purely because it's just sort of, firstly, I, I'm not particularly good at that stuff. Um, but secondly, it's not necessarily where my interests lie. Um, when it comes to me and my game design, I'm, I'm much more about sort of creating a, a story in everyone's imagination. Um, so it's it's really less about, you know, the more the more effort and possibly money I spend on making it look really good, um, I feel it's going to be the less I spend on uh, making the game, you know, create this imagination space. My favorite games are the ones that look really plain, to be honest, um, but they create really uh, great pictures in your imagination. And that's entirely a taste thing. I, I think it's great if people want to make Den of Wolves look better than it is, because there's definitely a lot of room for that. Um, but for me, that's just not my thing. No, and I can understand that. I can understand that. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's, okay, very good. Um, so the, so we were talking earlier and you were saying that, you know, you, if this had really not been, you hadn't, you, you'd been surprised by the success and it had also been, it's almost, almost side project is too strong a word, but not something that you had seen, you, you hadn't seen a success, you hadn't seen a, that it would be quite so popular. Yeah, so, I mean, um, there's, I think there's a definitely a few examples you can pull out of this in terms of pop culture and stuff, but there's a lot of times when people will spend, you know, years on some, you know, you find your favourite music artist or your favourite painter or whatever, and you'll find they spent months or years on their passion project for it to never really gain any traction, and then they crank out some side project in a week and it becomes some the massive phenomenon that everyone's heard about. That's almost what Den of Wolves is. Which is not to say I think it's a bad game or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I'd, I've spent various periods of time, like, putting lots of work into certain, like, games that are sort of more historical or, or, or you know, really tweaking games to make them create these great stories that I think are going to, you know, going to develop organically from the game. Um, and, um, you know, they, they happen and people enjoy them and that's great. Um, and then I had this other game, which uh, I started with, you know, Battlestar Galactica, the show, had a lot of great ideas in its core concept that weren't really explored in the show because probably because they were trying to work it into an action narrative. Um, and I thought there were some great mega game possibilities there. As I, I know a lot of other people had it kept coming up in mega game makers Facebook conversations for a while um, that people were having different ideas for Battlestar Galactica mega game. Um, and I took that and I thought, okay, what are those ideas going to be? What would the core loops of such a game be? I designed some really basic core loops um, and then kind of had to stop and say, well, hang on, these core loops have sort of uh, looped in on themselves and I can't really make this any bigger without seriously destabilizing the stability of the whole um, mechanics. Mm -hmm. So I designed this game and I thought, well, you know, it works. It's pretty small. Um, there's not really that much of a deep storyline in there. Like the background guide is like probably if you turned it into A4 pages, it's like three sides of A4 for the entire background of what the universe is. There's not really any strong character briefings. Um, there's really, really basic mechanics for, you know, four different resources. And then I stick a council game on it. Um, because there's plenty of stuff for the politicians to talk about, but really it's just that. It's just a council game and the politicians can make rules about how the rest of the game works. Um, and I thought, you know, this this is going to create some fun sort of stories that I think would work in the Battlestar Galactica style concept, um, and it'll work. And, you know, we did the first run, 
people loved it. I was like, great, I'll see if I can run it again. Um, and then sort of after that, people kept kind of bringing it up. Um, some people expressed interest in wanting to buy it um, with like the Reading run and a few other uh, runs. People started saying it was like their favorite game or like it was a really good example of what a mega game should be. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's great. Um, and just it completely took me by surprise. It was by no means meant to be this sort of, oh, I know what a really good mega game should be. I'll design that. It was almost the opposite, where I was like, this sounds like it would work. I'll add that. And then, you know, I finished it off. I said, this seems like it should work and kind of put it out there. And then it just exploded. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. maybe, maybe in that process of perhaps not, not trying to define a story. I don't know if you listened to the episode, Jim, Dungeons of Yendor. I did, um, yeah. Yeah, he made a really, really interesting point about, you know, we can't control what's going to happen. Hmm. Um, and nor should we really attempt to. Yeah. Um, and that all we can really do is try and provide parameters and a kind of an environment for players to explore. Uh, and maybe you, by the approach that you took, you manage to stumble into this territory um, where you have cre you have literally you, what well, you, you you created an environment uh, with a theme that people understood and could relate to, so you didn't need you know large numbers of briefings or huge amounts of background material, uh, and then added on a solid council game, and and then that allow that allows it to work. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, yeah, completely. I mean, one of the things. Um, was just sort of you know well like i said i hadn't sort of come up with and i, I think this is definitely partially intentional i'd made the briefings the team briefings rather than individual briefings i'd made the briefings fairly vague it's sort of like you know you represent the equivalent of a country because your ship is the vast mostly the population of that country what's left of it um and so you have you know wanting to make sure that you're still a relevant part of the power system um and you know you want to make sure your ship doesn't get destroyed really basic stuff like that and you know part of that was it wasn't meant to be a game about individual characters in particular um and part of it was you know i, I just didn't really have anything to add to that because the system already worked it, i designed it and it closed itself up pretty much on its own um so, so and yeah that created this big kind of empty space as it were which seems like a bad idea on the surface because there's no game there for people to latch onto. But in reality what happened was it was just it was sort of just the right amount of space for people to create their own very personal, very organic narratives about like, oh well that ship is hoarding resources and I'm gonna do something about it or I suspect this guy of being a traitor, I can't let him achieve any more of his political goals. Um, and that kind of stuff, which it, it was just kind of, it was just sort of the right balance, I think, of mechanics, uh, briefing, and empty space for freeform stuff. That's interesting. The um, the I was going to ask you about. So the there is a council game, and yeah. what's everyone else doing, John? I and mean, what are they doing if they're not in the council game? Um, so I think this is this is one of those things which a lot of people uh, don't necessarily. Uh, understand very well about mega games in that the council game and the rest of the game um, people often think that the council game is just a, like some talk shop where 
um, formalities happen and they don't affect the rest of the game at all. And as a result, the council game are locked out of everything. Um, and then the rest of the game is uh, where the real things happen because um, you know people will take their armies and, and smash them into something and it'll cause some resolution. But in reality, the balance is less obvious than that. And that the council game is actually a place where people sit down, talk with each other transparently, and generally speaking, fair, not maybe fairly is the wrong word, but they talk to each other in a way where the talks could possibly achieve something. Whereas at the map, you're too busy doing actions, you're too busy not being able to trust each other or not being able to effectively call someone up on what they may have promised to do previously. It might not even be the map, it might be the main room. Um, so it's that kind of balance in Den of Wolves, and I think it's really highlighted in this game because you're in a essentially a kind of unprecedented emergency situation um, where the main room is essentially the fleet, the reality of the fleet. It's in a dangerous situation. The barely what's left of the government, the military, any kind of... I mean, there basically isn't really a police. There are private security on each of the ships that the ship's captain controls. Um, so there isn't really a police. There's this sort of weird quasi-personal uh, police. Um, and then there's the military who are sort of like the police. And then you've got the government who are a shadow of what they were before, but they functionally are still the same thing. And you've got this thing where the council's whole reason to exist is very, very clear. It's what's going on out there is functionally starts more or less as anarchy. And whilst they might be able to create a working system uh, on their own, and they often do, as soon as something goes wrong or as soon as there's a crisis which isn't mutually agreed upon by the whole room, you need rules, you need laws, you need some way of officially saying, well, we said if this would happen, this is how we will deal with it. To avoid confusion, to avoid like opportunities for people to backstab each other constantly. Um, and I think that's one of the things that this game um, almost accidentally does really well, is making so, it clear what the council game is for. Um, right. Because, okay. That's a really, really. Yeah. I'm going to stop you there. Sorry, because that's. I think you've made a series of interesting points there, and the it you've it almost seems to an extent that you have perhaps thought about the council game in a little, diff, little bit of a different way. So, in effect, at the beginning, what you're saying, and I'm just going to recap, is that the the at the beginning is very little for the the. There's no fixed environment for the council, but as the game narrative develops they need to think about what's important to them and they are obviously um um uh, what's the word i'm looking for um they're encouraged to work together there are lots of drivers for them to work together um so but it's at a tactical level that things are a bit more where the friction really happens rather than in the council um well i mean i think it varies generally speaking the council and i think this is true for many mega games obviously some of them are designed to be quite different generally speaking the council is meant to be working together they'll they'll have their differences but they're not then they're literally not throwing armies at each other or um you know plotting to assassinate each other they're there to come up with something that works whether that's by a consensus system or a majority vote system they're there to hash out something that will fundamentally work for the rest of the people that they represent and or have power over in some way or another and that's the point in den of wolves is the situation out there is almost like if you have the physical power, you can force anything through unless someone with similar physical power stops you. Um, so what you want is you want a rule of law. You want sensible and ethical governance in a situation where you don't have any yet. 
Um, so you, the, the council is sort of trying to set precedents. They're trying to say, I know we're in a tough situation, but this is the right thing to do. Um, so at the beginning of the game, it's not that the council has nothing to do. They're not reactive. They're actually more of a planning entity with the reactive stuff that kind of gets thrown in when something major happens out there, as it often does. So it's really more about them saying, okay, we will have an election, seeing as the president has was like the 27th in line um, you know, two weeks ago before everyone died. Um, now we've got this emergency powers president. Um, we'll have an election or we won't have an election. It's too dangerous to have an election. Or they'll say the military is allowed to take over the privacy, like, you know, invade uh, one of our ships if we could, if, you know, the council votes on it as being a security matter. Or the military is never allowed to do that. That's too much power for the military. They're already, like, too overpowered in the situation we're in. They can make those decisions in advance. Yeah, and in fact, they probably should. I have, now I've run this game about six times. There have been times where basically certain issues have been rushed through or, or kind of, voted down too easily without enough discussion and it has kicked them in the ass later on when something happened and the lack of any clarity on what is acceptable uh, meant that people got away with things they definitely shouldn't have or terrible things happened that definitely should have been questioned or stopped earlier on hey here's here's a question Mm -hmm. would your game work just as well without the wolves um so when you say the wolves are you referring specifically to the uh, units that come up and damage everyone or the players who are secretly working against the rest of the game? The, the latter. Um, I don't think it would work as well, but I think it would definitely work. Um, it would require the players to definitely make sure they are engaging with the more competitive side of their briefings, because sometimes they don't. Um, but I can tell you that there have been games where people who absolutely were not wolves caused plenty of problems based on their own ways of seeing the situation um, you know their own ways of trying to maintain or augment their power in the system that definitely happened so yeah it definitely could work without wolves um, because I've seen it happen I've seen you know elements of the game that didn't have a wolf involved cause plenty of conflict and and, um, and interesting events yeah see I think I think I think that and I think that that you've managed to achieve that that you have managed to achieve that in in your game is I think really interesting and really positive um, well, that 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 was very interesting, John. I think you've made a. a I'm going to have to go back and listen to this now because I think you've made a series of quite interesting points, which I probably yeah. might have, I might even you know failed to pick you up on a few there. But I, I have a I, tendency to ramble and add tangents to existing tangents. So sometimes I may make four different interesting points in a row and then forget about them. <laughs> then yeah, 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 and, uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. I can understand that. Um, so. What is next for uh, Southwest Mega Games? Um, so, I mean, one of the, the two kind of big things, as it were, um, me and Alex and a host of um, great volunteers are running Watch the Sky's Second Sight at UK Games Expo. Um, uh, so that's, I, I assume most people have heard of UK Games Expo. I believe it is the UK's biggest uh, analog gaming convention. Um, and they've got all kinds of things, RPG sessions, board game sessions, card game tournaments. Um, they haven't had many mega games over the years. There's been one or two. Um, and I don't think there's been any for the last two or three years. Um, and I've, you know, I've done Watch the Sky's Second Sight, which is the classic game, Watch the Skies, that so many people know and love. Um, and you know, after I ran that game seven times, I thought, what would make this game kind of easier for new people to learn? 
what would polish it off, what are some new things I could add that could breathe new life into the game for old timers. I made that game and now I'm running it at UKGE because I think it's a good fit for kind of introducing mega, ga- mega games to maybe some con goers who aren't familiar. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is Megacon. I'm going to be honest, um, I'm, this may or may not be a thing that's been announced yet. Um, so you may want to check with Matt and Becky before this goes out or, or cut this out entirely. Um, Megacon, I'm going to be running Den of Wolves at Megacon on the Sunday, if all goes to plan. Um, otherwise, it's just more games. I'm running a variety of Watch the Skies and Den of Wolves around um, a gaming club in Sutton on Ashfield near Mansfield, which is up in up in the north, uh, has invited me to run Watch the Skies there just sort of out of the blue, which was very kind of them. So I'm taking second sight up there. Um, I'm running Den of Wolves again in uh, May and probably in Oxford, and I'm probably going to run it once or twice in small places. Den of Wolves, like I said, is coming to various places around the world without my uh, oversight, but you know they'll be running it, and I'm sure making their own little changes to uh, to what's going on. So that's going to be really fun. Um, and that's kind of it for now. The 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 machine uh, keeps chugging on, um, but those are sort of the major things going on. Very good. I mean, that sounds very exciting. Have you got any other any new designs that you're working on? Um, yeah, I've got a game about the Cuban Revolution, uh, which I've been working on since about September, but I haven't really done any work on it since January, to be honest, because I playtested it. Um, the game worked. There's going to be a few changes to the mechanics um, in terms of balance, but other than that, it's it's sort of ready to go-ish. Um, so I'm hoping to break that out near the end of the year. I've got a few other ideas for games that I really want to do, but at the moment they're too early a stage to talk about because they might not happen or they might change so dramatically that what I say here won't be accurate anymore. Very good. Very good indeed. Uh, well, thanks very much, John. I think that's been a really good conversation. Uh, I've, 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 I've been sat here listening and making notes, and uh, and I'm and I'm if uh, Den of Wolves has been run at Megacon, then I think you might have an attendee in me. So thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. No worries. No problem. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. Bye, Ben. Bye.